Oh God, Shady, it's aliens. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about Annihilation versus Color Out of Space. It's deja vu right is this the podcast we're doing today yes it is uh, a podcast that answers the question did i see this somewhere from two movie aficionados i am the meteorite that lands in into a secluded area john and with me is the scientist trying to study me my, my co-host shady yeah <laughs> Yeah. Are we going to keep that? Should I do it again? No, no, no. Let's keep it. Uh, we will Great. just explain to everyone that we have looked into the uh, the mouth of madness and we will never regain our sanity. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. I don't, I don't know. Are, is this real? <laughs> are we real? Is this real? We is have this... no, that's the thing, John. We have no idea if we are real or if all of our cells have been mutated to the point where we are effectively brand new creatures now. I'm out. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Oh, hello. Hi, hello. It's John again. <laughs> Not the carbon copy of John. <laughs> so we're talking about Annihilation, which came out in 2018. It was The screenplay was by Alex Garland, based off the novel by Jeff Vandermeer, directed by Alex Garland. On Rotten Tomatoes, it had an it has an 88% fresh rating. And on Metacritic, it has a 79 out of 100. It's out of 51 reviews. Uh, Damn. 44 of them were positive, five were mixed, two were negative. And according to IMDb, now buckle up, everyone. A biologist signs up for a dangerous secret expe- expedition into a mysterious zone where the laws of nature don't apply. That's it. I, I'm going to be honest, I don't know how I would describe it any better without accidentally giving the whole thing away. Oh, look, a bear? <laughs> that's that's what my description would be. <laughs> and then we're comparing it to Color Out of Space, which, okay, I'm a little confused. Some sites say it came out in 2019. Some say it came out in 2020. I'm not 100% sure when it came out officially. It- I think it had a limited release in 2019 and a fuller, more full release in 2020. So okay. that might be, cause it came out like at the tail end of 2019, but you could only really see it in like art house and repertory type theaters. And um, now it's on shutter everyone. Right. I think, yeah, the 2020 might be the VOD or the streaming release date. I believe you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I just pulled that out of my ass, by the way. <laughs> I, I will 100% believe you. I mean, I, I mean, that sounds right, considering I first watched it last year on Shudder. Mm. So I saw it at a th- I, I saw it at the Music Box Theater in Chicago right at the tail end of 2019. Look at Shady being yeah. so fancy. I know. I know. I'm going to brag about my my Music Box uh, <laughs> membership that I haven't used in almost two years. <laughs> okay it's okay one day you'll be back and it'll be back and everyone will be back yeah uh so screenplay is by richard stanley and scarlett ameris based off the short story by hp lovecraft directed by richard stanley 
Rotten Tomatoes gave it an 86% fresh rating and Metacritic gave it a 70 out of 100. Uh, And that is out of 28 reviews. 20 of them were positive, eight of them were mixed, zero negative. According to IMDb, a a secluded farm is struck by a strange meteorite which has apocalyptic consequences for the family living there and and possible the world. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. That's what happened. I think I would call this one, don't drink the water. (laughs) By the way, it's a Nicolas Cage movie. Is this only the second Nick Cage movie we've talked about? I'm maybe I'm forgetting one, but we did Moonstruck and now this. We haven't done Face Off, have we? No, I don't think we've done. (laughs) We've talked about it. We've We've, talked about it. We've We've talked talked about about it. (laughs) Oh my god! Oh my god! We need to get more Nick Cage in here. Oh my god! Yes. (laughs) We'll do Valley Girl someday. Don't worry about it. Okay. All right. But let's talk about these two movies, shall we? We shall. This uh uh, uh okay, so when when we were planning this episode, Shady was like, I'm just gonna mute myself and John, you're just gonna go. So <laughs> the theme of the episode the, the reason why I pitched these two movies is because I lost my shit during both of them. <laughs> like like I can, oh God, there's so many text messages that I sent Shady the first time I watched it, watched Color Out of Space that like, I lost my mind. I I never read either source material. Okay. I started, I, oh, go ahead. I tried to start reading Annihilation before we were going to record this episode, yeah. but it is written very differently than the book, which, you know, the, the, the movie then, you, you know, happens. Right. Like right off the bat in the novel, they're in the they're in the expedition, they're okay. in the the shimmer every and everything. Right. Based on as a loose term here. Right. Uh, and then with color out of space, I have a feeling because I haven't read that one either, but I have a feeling uh, Richard Stanley took a lot of liberties with this. I mean, I have read color out of space, and I or the color out of space is. Um, the, the short story has a the in the front. That's true, it does. And um, a U in color, because Lovecraft was English, British. No. No? No, he's from New England. How but, dare! The term Lovecraft country refers to New England. Because <gasps> that's, where, that's where H.P. Lovecraft is from. Uh, and that's where most of his stories largely take place. Um, so the idea of New England being weird and creepy and the site of a lot of cosmic horror comes from him. Oh, because they do mention, do they mention Boston as like the real town? Because I noticed, I, I, I looked it up, there are other towns that are mentioned that aren't real in right. like real, our reality. I'm going to be honest, I forget in the movie if they mention Boston. And so in the, in the short story, is there a family that is affected by it? Yes, there's a family on a farm. They have three sons instead of two sons and a daughter. I'm trying to remember. I think in the short story, it's more like it lands in the well, but then creates a bigger crater around it instead of just falling in the well like it does in the movie. Yeah, because in in both movies, well, it's not really explained what it is in Annihilation, but like something comes from outer space. Some sort of meteorite. Lands on Earth. And like slowly mutates uh, around an area that it landed 
Right. And, and uh, it, it's interesting because in both movies, the landing spot is a specific structure being the lighthouse in Annihilation and the well in Color Out of Space. I didn't even put those two together. I My brain is, is fried yeah. right now because of Color Out of Space. Yeah, no, I, uh, and here's another thing I'm going to bullshit. I think that's an interesting uh, contrast because a lighthouse goes up and it's supposed to be a beacon in the sky and a well goes down. To bounce, to play off of what you're saying, I feel like Color Out of Space, they were potentially playing with like man's involvement in the environment and like maybe doing like a pseudo, what's like the word I'm looking for? environmentalist? Yes. Yes. I guess, yeah. A, maybe, because like water is a big thing, theme in this movie. Right. I think that is what they're doing, but it's a little odd because they're also shoehorning it into a story where that was not really. I mean, I don't. I right. don't want to say that the short story has an environmentalist message. This, like the side story with the mayor wanting to buy that land and use it to create some sort of plant on it. Um, that's not. Yeah, that's, I felt like that was added, and then even like I feel like Tommy Chong's character is new. No, there's still a hermit? There is a hermit, yes. Oh. He's, he's not like a, obviously he's not a hippie because the story was written in 1930 something. Before the counterculture happened. <laughs> right. Um, you know, when counterculture was like jazz music. Um, but <laughs> there is a, a similar character who is, and he has a lot of the same lines where he talks about it's in the water. It's, they drank the water, they live in the water or whatever it is. Like, you can tell in Color Out of Space when it's pulled directly from the source material because I have a feeling the opening narration is pulled direct like from the story. It's interesting that they decided to make a film adaptation of this story because the story makes a lot of work out of we can't describe what has happened. We can only describe how people are reacting to it. I should read this, shouldn't I? It's it's really effective. Knowing, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, knowing me, I feel like I would love Lovecraft's work, not the person. That's a different discussion. That's a different discussion for a different podcast. But I feel like I could, I would appreciate the work, and I feel like I need to read it or listen to it because I do audiobooks. Hello. 21st century boy. Hello, guys. But the, it's fascinating that you just brought up how people go insane because that also happens in Annihilation. Right. Well, well, okay. Let me, ref- I want to rephrase. They don't go insane. I feel like in both, and this is my generalized like comparison with the two of them. I just feel like people are affected differently or their heightened effect, uh, uh, um, emotions when it comes to being surrounded by this alien thing Mm -hmm. not meaning like when I say alien thing I I mean the meteorite or comet or whatever it is that landed in annihilation I don't mean like little green people (laughs) so well it's it's interesting because both of them it is we do get the idea that it is some sort of organic life form but it takes the form of like a vapor or something. It takes a form that no living thing takes on our earth. So it's hard to describe it as an alien. Yes. 
Do you think, now that I'm thinking about it, do you think that both, I don't know, undescribable things that land to earth, are, the, are they trying to like take over the earth or are they trying to adapt the earth so that they can live here? I think color out of space, the color is trying to take over earth. I think annihilation, the, the alien and the meteorite, whatever we want to call it, is what yours i think it's basically a scientist that's like oh let's observe these life oh, forms so and then it's a scientist studying scientists you're yeah saying. yeah very fascinating <laughs> i mean but like who knows <laughs> who, i mean it, this is all speculation like right. uh, we have <laughs> We haven't read the source materials for both of them. Well, I haven't read the source materials for both of them. Shady hasn't read Annihilation and Color of Space was what, like years ago that you read it or? Yeah, uh, I read Not it. recently, let's put it that way. Yeah, like high school. Yeah, oh, that's like a dead. <laughs> Shady, that's like over 10 years ago at this point. No, that was like two years ago, come that on. Was two, uh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm 19 years old. No, no, oh. <laughs> No, no, no. Let's make you 21. Come on. Okay, fine. <laughs> that was four years ago then. Uh, so we could be wrong. Right when we plug the socials later, write in, tell us if how wrong we are or, um, you know, give us your feedback on everything. But what all what is also fascinating about both movies is that there's only one survivor from the party we see. Now, I had to word it that way because, yes, Lena's husband in Annihilation does survive going into the Shimmer, but we don't really see his expedition. Right. We see we see the video of him killing the soldier or the soldier, not killing the soldier, but studying the soldier. That, yeah. Basically, does that soldier have a name? I don't think so. That part fucked me up. I'm not going <laughs> <do. laughs> uh, <laughs> like, to A lot of this movie really fucked me up. Like rewatching the movie, I remember the bear. <laughs> um, but I forgot about the intestines and I forgot about the ooh, is it a alligator crocodile monster thing? Yeah, it's an alligator with shark like teeth. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah the one that always gets me is uh that the soldier and i don't know if it's the same one from the video or not it might be the one who got fused to the wall it is it is the same one all right that's what it I is thought. well that's what i inferred from it yeah well n well so when we see the face when the women are there it's all distorted and right. what does she call it it's like a not tumorous but something along those lines, you know, when they were, when you see, the, when they go into that campsite, mm -hmm. whatever, the fort, and you see the bulges come out, like the organic bulges come out of the walls. I think that's what they called it, that they looked like tumors or something. Yeah. Well, there's another similarity between these two movies is a lot of comparison to cancer. What's happening with yes. these living organisms, they both bring up cancer quite a bit. Well, there's a character who has cancer in both movies. Yes. If you like sneeze, you'll for you won't hear it in color out of space because it's such like a throwaway throwaway line. I mean, in the very very beginning. Right, but uh, I think they they do talk a lot about like things in the past. Like they they pretty much talk about her recovery and everything. And like 
I don't know if she is wearing a wig, but it looks like she's wearing a bad wig. It looks like I'm going to say it's a wig. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. But like Richardson, those bangs do not work for you. I'm so sorry, honey. But like, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be like, you know, she had chemotherapy and lost all of her hair and now is wearing a wig. Mm hmm. It's never really specified. Yeah, so. it's not specified. I guess I kind of assumed it because she's working from home already and this is pre-COVID. Um, so. <laughs> did, uh, did, <laughs> wait, is this movie now a metaphor for COVID? Oh! <gasps> <laughs> uh, but she is already working from home, which I took as she needed to not go into the office anymore because she was in recovery, but she's a workaholic, so she still wanted to be connected to jump back a little bit we mentioned animals in color out in, in annihilation we didn't talk mm-hmm. about the animals in color out of space where they were affected as well like oh god yeah that, oh. That, the, the cat alpaca? oh the cat <laughs> the uh the alpaca dog blob thing uh-huh. the dog was part of the alpaca thing right i think it was they were snarling like a dog i thought we saw the dog and, as one of the heads too. Yeah. (laughs) But also eyes don't look like that. Eyes don't look like that. No. (laughs) And then there's also uh plant life Mm -hmm. on how they are affected by the thing. The The yeah, the thing. The thing from outer space. Right. Because well, in Annihilation, you've got that vine of flowers that are all different species and should not be able to grow off the same vine. And then don't they mention like how there's some flowers or plants that look like a hybrid Mm -hmm. yeah and then tessa thompson's character turns into flowers maybe that's i'm I'm going with that because it's nice and peaceful unclear she does turn to a a plant thing but we don't really see her more fully right that is also weird yeah like it's so subtle and if you it's kind of these kind movies, Katie. <laughs> Why did I pick these movies? <laughs> Why did I fuck with my brain so much? Oh, God. I because can't. we are staring into the mouth of madness, John. We are Wait. learning of Eldritch horrors of which we were never supposed to know. Uh, <laughs> but then in Color Out of Space, there's those red flowers that are undescribable. I gotta say, I know a while ago we did talk about color out of space and you did break down even more how things are not described like are able to to be described in the short story right like like in the short story the color out of space is specifically described as a color that is previously unknown to any prism of light that humans have ever seen it is a color no one has ever seen before in this pin in that in this it's magenta but put a pin in that there's a there's a blues clues character named magenta (laughs) there's a rocky horror character named magenta (laughs) all back to our episode that we did good job (laughs) but i gotta say what both movies did with the with everything the cgi of it all and the the newness of the atmosphere and the earth and everything was spectacular like i don't know who those cg those visual effects people mm-hmm. are but i want to give a huge shout out to each and every one of them 
not listing any names, but shout yeah. out to them because like the crystal trees in Annihilation, what the fuck? Yeah. I love it. Now, Annihilation is one of the most beautiful CGI heavy movies ever. I feel like that one will be like Jurassic Park, where in 20 years it'll still hold up. Yeah. Um, the, the bear scares the shit out of me. <sighs> the bear is so scary. Uh, the, <laughs> the doppelganger. Have you ever seen like motion capture, like in the barest form? Like yeah. when the people, it looks like that, but right. like. But it's a also little like, scarier. Yeah, well, it's like it's effective because it doesn't quite look natural. And to but go it is, with it is modeled off of like an actual human and an actual human's movements. And to go off of your theory, it does feel like a scientist. Where it's I mean, it's cop- her. it's copying her and studying her and turns into her. And, and it, it in, might be her at the end. And in theory, turned into Kane as well. Yeah. Her husband. There, oh God, these movies. For differences, if, you, if we're going by our old standard of recording these episodes, mm-hmm. uh, Annihilation is centered around an all-female cast, really. There's male characters here and there, right. but really it's the five women that we're following for the most part. And then in Annihilate, uh, nope, nope, wrong movie, Color Out of Space. It's centered around the family, but I want I want to put, pose this question to you. Okay. Is Lavinia the lead character of that movie? It's, it's I think it's a, it's a dual lead protagonist situation where I think it's her and Ward are okay. the two leads. Um, Nick Cage gets top billing because he's Nick Cage. Of course. I mean, who wouldn't? Right. But I think it, it mostly starts off as Lavinia's story. And then when she dissipates, um, Ward sort of picks it up. She, she, <laughs> she, Infinity War disappears, everyone. Sorry to spoil Infinity War, but everyone has seen that movie by now. The body count, there is a body count for both movies. Um, from what we see in Annihilation, I it's so weird. I counted five, so okay. there's four four of the women. Even though, well, yes, what's her name does die in the lighthouse. Doctor uh, Ventress. Ventress, yes. Okay. I can I'm counting that, and okay. then I also counted the soldier. Okay. Because we see his remains. Yeah. In color out of space, there's seven. So you have the five family members: Ezra and the sheriff. Yeah. But I did not shoot the deputy. And that's not counting any of the animals. No. Because if we start counting animals. We're in double digits. Right. Especially like in Colorado space, there's that like mishmash of animals that. The, we all don't, the animals. We don't, we don't know who's in there except for the cat. Oh, the cat. Hmm. G spot. They can't find it. They can't find her. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, oh, gallows humor <laughs> is great, isn't it? Sick sad humor. Um, so in both in both movies, nature does kill at least a character, but it's done differently. Where the bear kills two people, mm-hmm. and then also mutates by having the scream of one of them. What is this? <laughs> 
And then in Color Out of Space, a tree kills the sheriff? That I forgot about too. (laughs) And then it looks like the, the grass is attacking Ward, but like he runs away fast. Yeah. Into the house. Into yeah. the thick of it. <laughs> into the thick of it. <laughs> Sorry for the TikTok reference. You can cut that out, Future Shady, if you want to. Um, I won't. Um, so, uh, but what, what, what do we make of Josie's death or disappearance? Is that does that count as nature claiming her or? Hmm. Well, so I, I want. I meant physically, like something attacked a person and okay. killed it. Josie's mutating with her and turning her into potentially a flower sculpture. <laughs> a flower person sculpture? Yeah. Um, I think though, that's more described by how their cells are mutating. Cause like- But that's you, nature, cells are nature. Cells are nature, but I don't, it, it's- well, so I I kind I kind of compared the differences of Josie turning into a plant person to Ezra, Lavinia, and Nathan, like eroding into the color. And I used eroding because the, the I don't know any other way to describe what happened to them. Okay. Like, is that how? Yeah, how, sure. The eroding, or they got absorbed into it. Dissipated. Yeah, sure. Because that. Oh God. I mean, Lavinia turns into a beam of light that merges with the other beam of light. Right. And you see... It it turns her into a different form. And you see Tommy Chong's character, like, also turn into a beam of of light. But his... Well, he's like a shell. Yeah, because his is more like um, ash falling, if you want, if if that's how I can describe it without... with if you haven't seen it watch this movie also is benny okay (laughs) we don't really there's no like clear like he just turned the light eats him right is that what happens sure yeah i think i think we can maybe assume that the same thing happened to him that later happens to lavinia it just stayed within the well also now that we're talking about names here Ben, Lavinia, Jack. Why Lavinia? Why not like Beth or something? I think they seem, they do seem like the type of like yuppie hipster couple that would give their daughter an overly flowery name. They are kind of also hippie dip. I feel like they are, they were friends with Ezra at one point and then they're like, we gotta. Well, they they sold out. Yeah, they sold. They sold out. They're yupsters now. Well, because there's another throwaway line that uh, Nicolas Cage's character did acid way back in the day. So, (laughs) right. I have a theory. So (laughs) for a while I was doing, as Shady knows, and some of our listeners know, I was doing a Nicolas Cage-a-thon where I was watching a lot of Nicolas Cage movies. And I'm convinced he shows up with his own script in hand to, to these sets, these different sets that he does. Like when he freaks the fuck out in the car in this movie, that's all him. I mean, that might be him ad-libbing instead of writing out his own quote dialogue end quote. (laughs) (laughs) 
part of the power that the color has right. is it alters time. Yeah, which, which also we really happens talk about we in really annihilation. Talk about. It happens in annihilation. But like Lavinia totally loses six that. hours. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. So, and like they, there are things that happen multiple times. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. It twists everything. That's the whole idea is it twists everything, including time, because time is a physical human construct. <laughs> that probably, time probably doesn't exist to these types of alien creatures. And that's a fucked up thing to think about. <laughs> and then in Color Out of Space, two humans merge to create a thing. Yeah. I gotta say, that scene in the attic with Lavinia underneath her mother-brother monster thing mm -hmm. gave me flashbacks to the recent The Thing. Not the original one. Uh, the, the one that the, came out. The secret uh, prequel. The secret prequel starring our favorite Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Uh, just a second. Well, hold on. We need a second just to think about her. She's so dreamy. <sighs> But there is a scene in that movie where the creature fuses with another person by like putting its face together and mm -hmm. creating a new hybrid monster. Mm -hmm. And so I was half expecting that to happen with Lavinia. But they saved her from that only to have her turn to dust. Like, what? Uh... <laughs> I'm sorry, John, John's expression is making me laugh a lot right now. And I feel bad because we are recording this in an audio form and, and our audience cannot see I have the, to the exasperation, the, the, I don't so even I, know how to describe it. It's undescribable. It's so, undescribable. It is a color out of space all over John's face. So I need, I'm going to take a minute to get a little personal with everyone. Okay. Is a, are we okay with this for a second? I get too personal all the time, so go Great. ahead. Great. So we've covered a ton of horror movies on this podcast. Not literally, but you know, we've covered enough. Where I watch slasher movies and horror movies all the time, and I feel nothing after watching them, because I know that they're 100% fake, and like, whatever. This movie fucked me up when I first watched it. I had nightmares from it. Like from color out of space. From color out of space. I had nightmares that I was uh, being attacked by the Teresa Jack monster thing. Like that never happens. I'm a 33-year-old grown ass man and I had a fucking night nightmare about a monster in a in like a science fiction horror movie that I know is fake. Like I I don't know what they did. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, it's just like tapping into like a really existential horror. It's not like you don't think you're actually going to get fused to another person. But no, there, but like the but that monster something... scared. It was like I want. I I've talked about. what I've just mentioned. I watched the thing. Right. nothing like maybe a little scary because you know the first one i appreciate that it's practical effects and that's what's scary because it's surreal looking and then in the second and the pseudo prequel like 
there's still that horror, but like it's all CGI and fake and gross and everything. Mm-hmm. So I, but with Color Out of Space, I don't know what it is. Even the alpaca blob thing yeah. fucked me up a little bit. Are you just know. like really scared of the color magenta? Maybe. <laughs> no, I, I do think it is like that kind of stuff. I didn't have that reaction to color out of space. I had a similar reaction with annihilation where I didn't, I didn't have nightmares about it, but just like for a while afterward, I specifically thinking about the bear using um, what's her name? Scream. Cassie. Cassie scream. Uh, That like really, really hit, like it just really unnerved me. Just this, this concept of, because what they posit in the film, and we don't know that it's really what's happening or not, but what they posit is that she is, her soul is somehow still alive in this bear, but only experiencing those final moments of pain and fear. And something about that just like really got into me. Maybe with my fear, it was that it's the same thing in Color Out of Space, but like, right you see it rather than um, inferring it as you do with Annihilation. You actually hear and see uh, Jack and Teresa like like, in pain, moaning. And so uh, maybe that's what specifically got to you. And and that, that makes that, that one small idea suddenly takes the whole of it, which is, the monster itself and, and makes you scared of the monster because of what it represents. So after I watched it for this recording, <laughs> I immediately opened TikTok just to watch stupid videos because I was like, <laughs> I don't, I don't have the brain capacity for a cartoon even like I need something even stupider. So TikTok it was. Right. And I found something and it was great. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. He- he did text it to me. It was pretty great. It was pretty great. Maybe I'll post it on the socials. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? I'm so random when it comes to our Instagram. I don't know what I do anymore. Is there anything else that we want to talk about with these movies before we get into special features? I almost said the wrong segment because of my other podcast. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, I promise. <laughs> no, I do. I do want to just point out that this is not like an original idea to us that Annihilation is very similar to H.P. Lovecraft's story, The Color Out of Space. Um, Before Color Out of Space came out, one of the main reactions to this movie was that, oh, this might be the closest we ever get to a film adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft, um, or at least that specific story, because his stuff is very difficult to adapt to a visual medium. Like it's That was the question I was going to ask you later in Final Thoughts. Oh, okay. Annihilation is inspired by Color Out of Space. I haven't like seen anything that confirms that, but like it, I feel like it has to be. There, yeah, it, there's enough that you're just like that. And okay, like, we'll answer this question again later. Right. But yeah, there's there's enough that <laughs> right. You, and I you mean, can like, see it. to a degree, H.P. Lovecraft, you can you can say he's like the big granddaddy of cosmic horror in general. So anything that utilizes cosmic horror, you can say is due to him. When is Cthulhu coming out? <laughs> I don't know if they can. Like it, it the, way that be- you just, the way that you describe his writing, I don't know if they can, they're able to do it. I mean, they, they 
they did color out of space. They had to change it quite a bit, but like, but like now I wonder if they could adapt it. I don't know. Well, who knows? But for right now, let's go into special features. Woo! Special features. So in this segment, we each take a movie, find fun facts and trivia about it, and try to one-up each other. I don't know how much I'm going to surprise Shady this time, because, you know, that's always my goal, to surprise Shady. I don't know a lot about this movie, though. Great. (laughs) I literally am pulling everything from IMDb, and I am not sorry about it, but... Shady had Annihilation, and since it came out first, why don't you go first? So the fun story I want to talk about, going back to the bear, whom I love and adore and I'm terrified of. The VFX supervisor for this movie was Andrew Whitehurst, uh, and I read a few interviews with him where he talks about the bear. He was also the VFX supervisor for the Paddington movies, which which is about a delightful little bear. Uh, who was named after Paddington Station in the London Underground. So yes, they, they named the bear in this movie. And since Paddington Station is quite nice, they picked a rough around the edges, quote unquote, station in East London called Homerton. So the bear's name is Homerton. I thought you were going to say they named the bear Paddington as well. Just for <laughs> kissing their no, he's Paddington's like, he's like his, uh, his like, uh, you know, the d- d- troublemaker cousin, you know? <laughs> so unfortunately, this movie was a really big flop. Um, Are you flop, serious? This movie was a huge flop. Its budget was 40, Jesus, that's a lot of zeros, 40 million. <laughs> <gasps> wow. And its box office domestically was only 32 million and worldwide on top of that was another 10 million about. So this was a pretty big flop. And there are a lot of different factors we can look into there. It was released in February, which is largely considered a jumping month. Yeah. Was that Um, around like a superhero movie too or something? Black Panther had been released a couple weeks before, but not the same week. Theoretically, if anything, that should have helped the movie, but it didn't. Part of the problem, too, was that Paramount, who produced the movie, didn't think it was going to be a big hit, so they didn't have a lot of faith in it. So they signed a distribution deal with Netflix, which meant that in North America, it still got a theatrical release, but in the rest of the world, it got a simultaneous Netflix and theatrical release. So it didn't make money overseas because people just watched it on Netflix instead. Let me read this. I'm reading this directly from TV Tropes. After poor, some say disastrous test screenings, executive producer David Ellison called the movie too intellectual and too complicated and demanded changes to make it appeal to a wider audience, such as making Lena more sympathetic and changing the ending. However, producer Scott Rudin, who had Final Cut, sided with Alex Garland, writer-director, and released the movie unaltered and wouldn't take notes. With this like, was a really good movie. Great yeah. movie, though. Yeah. Well, what I find really interesting is that they didn't release the review embargo on this movie until the day before it was released. And the it what? got the review embargo. 
What's that, Shady? <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so a review embargo is when they screen movies for critics, but they tell the critics you cannot publish your reviews until a certain date. Um, okay. A lot of times, if a studio has a lot of faith in a movie to do well or to get really good reviews, they'll lift the embargo like two weeks before the movie premieres. So you've got two weeks of hype, two weeks of word of mouth building, and that can be really, really helpful. If they think the movie is going to do poorly, they, uh, critically at least, they won't lift the embargo until shortly before the release. The idea is that bad reviews would kill a movie and that if something got released that was highly anticipated by audiences and then suddenly the reviews are really bad, people are not going to buy those advanced tickets that, you know, studios are always relying on. But it's interesting to me that this movie got a, such a late lift on the embargo because it got reviewed really well, that it actually would have helped a lot if they lifted the embargo even just a week earlier. You have a full week of people talking about, oh, this movie's supposed to be really good. People are saying this about it. Um, That's so weird. Yeah. So they, I guess they just really didn't think people, like even the critics would like it very, very much. So whatever, Paramount is, um, well, all studios kind of run by executives who sometimes don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so unfortunately, this movie is considered a bust, um, but it is also like a highly respected movie by people who have seen it. So I think it's going to be one of those that like goes on to like build in notoriety. Um, I feel like it has a cult following. Not a yeah. cult, not, not to call it culty, but like, you know, like it has oh, a following. Oh no, there are definitely people who love this movie. Um, I think also just my personal opinion, it really sucks that it did not get nominated for any Oscars for the effects or for the music. Yeah, that does suck. Because like, they're so good, but you know, whatever. I'll toss it over to you. because I'm really eager to hear about Colorado Space. Okay, so I'm just scanning the trivia section of IMDb. There are 97 items on it. 97? And 43 of them are spoilers, so. <gasps> Sorry, that's really funny. And they're, and the, the ones that I'm reading, a lot of them are different. Like, it's not a lot of like the car, like there's some that are, the car used is a blah -bitty doo but it's not, like seven people saying that, which happens a lot. The first thing I want to say is that Richard Stanley, the writer-director of this movie, his favorite Nicolas Cage film is Vampire's Kiss. And he asked Nicolas Cage to do the same style of performance in it. And after, and after watching it again for this podcast and reading that fun fact, I was just like, yes. Yes. That have you seen Vampire's Kiss? Not in a long time. So in Vampire's Kiss is the one where he runs around screaming, I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire, as well as he freaks the fuck out while doing the alphabet. And I'm just like, ah, yes. Wait, I have to rewatch it right now. I need to see where I can stream that or if it's on. Uh <laughs> I'm surprised Nicolas Cage did not get an EGOT for this performance alone. <laughs> he should have. He should have won a Tony for this film. Should have won a Grammy for it. <laughs> Spoken word category. <laughs> Ooh, sorry. 
okay, calm down, calm down. Okay, so on a more serious tone, uh, the color used in the film is magenta, as we said. So literally taking this fun trivia fact from IMDb, the color used in this film to represent the color is magenta, which doesn't exist as a single wavelength of light as part of the spectrum of visible light. Roy G. Biv, for those of you who are wondering and forgot physics. Uh, rather, <laughs> rather, it is an extraspectral color that is only perceived by humans in a specific interaction of the optical rods in the eyes that detect red and blue in specific circumstances to create the magenta in the mind. Since red and blue are associated to evil and good, it means that the color is apart from evil and good to come from another universe where these concepts cannot be applied. The color code for a magenta is RGB, red, green, blue, 255, 100, 100. HSB, hue saturated brightness, 255, 255. I don't know that last bit. That was part of the fact, but I, I took one one optics course, intro to optics course in college uh, to fulfill my liberal arts requirements. Um, uh-huh. And I don't really know what you just said, but I'm going to nod and say that sounds like something we would have talked about. Science. <laughs> right. <laughs> we, um, we, we were liberal arts students. <laughs> uh, Get ready to laugh again because both Nicolas Cage and Richard Stanley at one point of their life went to search for the Holy Grail. That's in the fun (laughs) facts for this movie. I swear. (laughs) Yes. Like actually search for the Holy Grail? They did, yeah. That Well, that's what it says right here on the IMDb page for Color Out of Space, which has nothing to do with the Holy Grail. Right, right. No, that's amazing though. I want a documentary interviewing those guys and anyone else who's made an earnest attempt to search for the Holy Grail because that would be great. Well, in a Q&A with Richard Stanley, and this is again, reading it directly from IMDb, he claimed that the film would be, would be the first of a trilogy with a Dunwich horror adaptation coming next. Nevertheless, in March 2021, the trilogy was canceled after Stanley was accused of domestic abuse from his former partner, Scarlett Amaris, the co-writer, and production company Spectrovision cut all relation with him. Yikes. So, okay, go fuck, go fuck yourself, Richard Stanley, <laughs> but thank you for this movie. Thank you for this movie. It stands separate from your personal life. <laughs> oh, <no>. um, <laughs> Lavinia has a paperback copy of the Necronomicon in the film. The book itself was a fictional invention of Lovecraft being mentioned for the first time in 1924 um, in The Hound and then later being mentioned in other stories. However, in 1977, an author called Simon published a book by the same name. This is the book used by Lavinia during her final ritual. According the own Lovecraft, this, okay. is, this is the English that I'm reading. Right. IMDb Necro- could use a few editors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like some of the movies <laughs> we've seen. Yes. Yeah. Necronomicon is Book of the Dead of the Dead Names, a grimoire that is not that it not only contains the secret past of hu- of human race and a depiction of some races as great old ones and outer gods that million 
years ago they ruled planet earth and and conquered the stars but the spells necessary to open the portals in order to cause their return in the fictional biography of the book its author was abdul alhazard i think that name is mentioned in is it evil dead that there's the necronomicon yeah it's that whole trilogy I think they mentioned this name. That's uh, who in 730 AD in Yemen wrote the book as Al-Azif, uh, receiving its definitive name when it was translated to Greek by Theodore Philates in 19, 950. Later, it would be translated to Latin by some dude in 1228 and banned by Pope Gregory the Ninth in 1232, passing the secrecy and having new translations to Latin in 15th century Germany and 17th century Spain. In addition, in the 16th century, the Elizabethan magician John Dee allegedly would translate to English in a copy never printed and surviving only in fragments. I need to find this book. There's a lot there that they covered. I thought I said a lot about the color. That was a lot. Uh, I thought I said a lot about Homerton. That was a lot. (laughs) That was a lot. You can cut that out if you want. (laughs) No, I liked it. So there is another version of Color Out of Space. Did you know about this? Like like another movie version? Another movie version. Okay. It's a 2010 German film Ah. by uh, Hunan Vu. He was... This person also wrote and directed it. I don't know what's up with the pe- with these people. But, like this episode, everyone wrote and directed their these movies. <laughs> but according to IMDb on this version of it, a boy looking for his missing father travels to Germany and uncovers a haunting legacy that a meteorite left behind in the area based on H.P. Lovecraft's written novel, The Color Out of Space. Let's look at the trivia for a second on this movie. Okay. Um, there are none. Great. <laughs> but yeah, it is a German film in okay. German and as well. 2010? 2010, 2010 okay. yeah. Um, do I have anyone, any other fact that I want to mention? Oh, they do pay tribute to the thing. <laughs> it's not just me making it up. It's a real thing. Teresa and Jack are reached, are reached and hit by the color, fusing them uh, as only one being. It pays tribute to the thing. 1982 which i didn't realize was part of a trilogy of apocalypse that john carpenter did did you hear about this yeah i didn't know about this and then uh the way that it pays tribute is when mcready and part of the arctic team find two bot two dead bodies fused as one in the norwegian camp which i think is from the prequel that i was talking about that fusion that happened that I was expecting to happen. Yeah. Oh, okay. Here's a fun little factoid. And I think this will be my last one. Besides the three classic states of matter, the color also experiments the four classic elements of nature. It falls to planet earth as a meteor earth. Later it hides in the well water and eventually explodes from the well into the sky in a tornado air. The fourth classic element is nature. Of uh, the fourth classic element of nature, fire, is established at around an hour and thirty-six minutes. Not only by Ezra's tapes, where it can, 
where it can be here saying sometimes it's just a color, but it burns. But before, at around an hour, 22 minutes, when Sheriff Pierce shows Ward a lot of dead animals with their corpses showing signs of having burned in the same way that at our at one hour, eight minutes, Benny and Jack watch the color burn the alpacas inside the barn. That's interesting because Lavinia doing that little spell, the ritual in the beginning, she calls specifically on on the, the four, four corners. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay, how do we end the how do we end <laughs> these podcasts? Um, uh, uh, <laughs> do you want to move on to final thoughts? Let's go on to final thoughts before I go down a K hole of these <laughs> of these fun facts. The, Feel these free to movies, cut anything. No, no, it's fine. These movies have warped our sense of time. <laughs> conservatively i think i needed three hours to talk about this movie and it's only been like an hour yeah so what is time okay uh can we think of any other movies like the like these two i have two in mind Okay. One we've already mentioned, which is The Thing. But okay. that's probably a little more color out of space than Annihilation. It's got elements of both because it is about a secluded team of scientists um, like Annihilation. Being affected is. by an unearthly thing. Yeah. There we so go. It's, it's got elements of both. And, oh, we didn't talk about because uh, it, it kind of feels like it goes without saying, but in both movies, Annihilation and Color Out of Space, it turns people against their allies. Oh, um, yeah. But like, that's uh, also like how they go into madness. Right, yeah. But, you know, it, Nick Cage shoves Lavinia into, it tells her, go feed your mother, and shoves her into the room with the monster. Oh, my God, that was so funny. <laughs> Uh, I think and, I also laughed when he shot the alpacas. because, <laughs> And then the Anya other... goes, in, you know, she, she oh, yeah. becomes overcome with paranoia and ties up her teammates. But the other movie is Arrival. Okay. Because, um, well, that one, though, is peaceful rather than apocalyptic. Because that's about, that's not really a horror story at all. No, but it's also about like how humans interact with uh, an unearthly force. Right. And in a way that it, it, it doesn't experience time the same way we do. And it's sharing that knowledge with Amy Adams' character. Right. Because Amy um, Adams' character experiences time, not like how these people lose time, but a little bit about how like Natalie Portman's character has the flashbacks Right. But, well, also, like, it allows her to, what, what we perceive as, oh, she knows the future now, but it's not that she knows the future, it's that she's seeing time laid out on a different plane than the way most humans do, because that's what the aliens are showing her, where she has knowledge about things that will happen, but haven't happened yet. Oh, it's so, it's so sad, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, going back to cosmic horror, though, I kind of want to say that in a way... Event Horizon is sort of an inverse of this, where it's a team of scientists on a spaceship going into another dimension instead of something from a different dimension coming onto Earth. Uh, but it is 
and it's cosmic horror because it turns out they the dimension they enter into is hell <laughs> like fire oh. brimstone hell um it's and, been a minute since I've seen that movie. Maybe uh, I'll rewatch that one. I and and it's got Jolie Richardson in it. Um, I love that movie. I don't think it's a very well loved movie generally, but I like it a lot. We're tapping into a different genre now that you're calling it cosmic. Mm, cosmic horror. Cosmic horror. Yeah. Which happens. I feel like there's at least one movie a year that has that. Um. I mean, it's maybe, maybe like, not, yeah, it's, but it's, it's out in the world. It's one of those genres that I'm kind of surprised isn't more popular because there is something existentially terrifying about space and about right. the vastness of all the things we don't understand, uh, which is what Lovecraft was really good at tapping into. And these movies are really good at tapping into. But then we also get movies like Alien and Life, right? Which we may do in a future episode. Stay tuned. Yeah. Would did we like <laughs> these movies? Uh, uh yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I'm gonna. I. I love Annihilation, and I really like Color Out of Space. Color Out of Space gives you makes like both movies make you think in a way. Mm-hmm. But Color Out of Space, though, scared the shit out of me. I do really like the yeah. things that they do it's a very effective movie yes i am exhibit a <laughs> would we watch them again i would watch annihilation any and every day color out of space i need to like build up the courage because like okay so <laughs> i i waited until the last minute to watch this movie for this podcast <laughs> i could tell I I was not prepared to rewatch it, so I need to like build up the courage to do it. But yeah, I'll rewatch it, especially since we're recording that. Well, since it's October and it's like spooky season, so it kind of fits in. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I'm the same. I I I'll watch an an annihilation does scare me, but in a way that I like. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in the way that it's fun to be scared and also think about. Oh my gosh, does my trauma make me a different person than I was before it happened to me? That's fun. <laughs> um, would and, we recommend these movies yeah uh, I would recommend Annihilation to most people Color Out of Space um, you gotta find the right group yeah I, I would I would consider it a good like October movie sure if you're, if you're, if you're tr- I know a lot of people who try to do like a horror movie a day in October which power to you yeah. I, would rec- I would recommend this for that because like you said, Cosmic Horror doesn't get a lot of love. So no, it let's, should let's get give it some love. love. Yeah. And finally, are they actually the same? I think we answered this earlier. But let's answer it now again. Yes. You're, gonna, you're saying a hard yes? Yeah, I'm saying hard yes. I'm going to have to agree with you. Although there are still like a lot of visual difference, like visual and story differences, when you break it down, yeah, a thing from outer space lands to Earth and fucks with our ecosystem. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the main difference is that in one case, the humans choose to go into it and explore it. And mm. in the other case, it just happens to them by pure happenstance. Consent. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so that would be like the main difference. But I think even thematically, it's dealing with similar ideas about trauma and um 
physical and mental trauma and you know cancer metaphor cancer metaphor um I guess the big difference too is that Lena and Kane did not have a very happy marriage before all this happened to them whereas the gardeners did seem like a really happy couple for the most part well they also haven't touched each other in what like almost a year right the the, right. the 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 one time that they're going to have sex is when the meteorite lands. Right. And that is a fucked up montage and I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like the movies are the same. And like we said earlier, um, what's his name? Who wrote the book? Uh, uh, Jeff Vandermeer definitely was inspired by Lovecraft. Yeah. And on that note, we're done. (laughs) John just wants to be done. I'm I'm going to have a lot of chocolate and watch some cartoons after we're done recording. (laughs) Uh, Shady, where can the good people find you? The good people can find me at Twitter. I am at Cookie O Shady. What kind of dessert are you? I've decided I am the fudge covered animal crackers. Because <laughs> that's when you eat them, you're like fusing the animal with yourself. Okay, I could see that. I thought you were gonna say the cosmic brownies, you know, like the those oh. brownies that have the sprinkles on top. Oh, that would have that too. You're both and everything and all. I am all things transubstantiate within the human body, and therefore are appropriate for this episode. I gotta go lay down after that sentence. <laughs> uh and you can find me on twitter sometimes uh john underscore watches underscore movies or just at movies john and also go listen to my other podcast shady comes on a bunch of times it is called life's but a song uh it is available wherever you stream if wherever you're listening to this podcast go look it up there uh and look it up the the uh the instagram because that's where I'm mostly on. And that is at Buttersong Pod. And if you want to get in touch with us, this podcast, and tell us how... Oh, you mentioned something earlier and I was going to quote it and I forgot. Damn I it. Magenta. If, mm, if you want to talk about magenta <laughs> in any which way, you can email us at moviedejavupod at gmail.com. That is M-O-V-I-E-D-E. J-A-V-U-P-O-D at gmail.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook. and <laughs> You changed it up that time. I did. I really did. Oh, it threw me off. I always do a dance when John does the spelling out of it. And he changed his tempo this time. Am I John or am I a duplicate? Oh my God. Boom. <laughs> Blew your mind. Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram at Movie Deja Vu Pod. And we're on Twitter at Movie Deja Vu. No pod. Why, Shady? The, po- the pod got absorbed into the well. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, it, lives, no. it lives in the well now. Oh, no. <laughs> and if you want to uh, be part of the next episode's conversation, we're staying with horror movies. Because, like I said, it's October. It's spoopy season. We're gonna be. T- yeah, I went. I said spoopy. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm. I am on the internet sometimes. <laughs> We're gonna be okay. So 
we just did the Fear Street series. Right. This is a break from that, but we're going to kind of do a pseudo series. Okay, yeah. Where for episode 49, we're going to do the Blair Witch Project versus the Gallows. And then episode 51, I please note, I jumped episode 50. We have something different planned for that because it's a, it's a milestone for us. We're going to do the Blair Witch Project uh, the Book of Shadows, Blair Witch Project, and the Gal versus the Gallows Two. Yeah, so I'm gonna go uh-huh. because my brain hurts. <laughs> I'm gonna go because Homerton needs me. Oh no. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>